0: Come on over a minute. I just had some ideas that I'd been thinking about for quite a while about modulation. It seems to me that there are different themes in life. And one of my main jobs, it seems to me, is to help through the mass media for children, to help children through some of the difficult modulations of life. Because it's easy, for instance, to go from C to F. But there are some modulations that aren't so easy. For instance, to go from F to F sharp, you've got to weave through all sorts of things. And it seems to me if you've got somebody to help you as you weep. Maybe this is just too philosophical. Maybe I'm trying to to combine uh, things that that can't be combined, but it makes sense to me. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor, would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty, would a neighborly day for a beauty, would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't? And please, please won't you be my neighbor?
1: I heard some of you singing along and the rest of you, you were singing along in your heads, weren't you? Anyway, welcome to worship everybody. So good to be worshiping with you. If you are new to Hope, you could not have picked a better day to show up here. We're starting a new message series. Our theme this year at Hope is 12 books in 12 months. So each month we're digging into a different book of the Bible throughout the month of May. It's going to be the book of Proverbs and the subtitle or the sub-theme to this message series is Scripture and a Movie. Every week we'll take a different movie and connected some of the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. So the movie this weekend is an Oscar-nominated documentary on the life of Mr. Rogers, Won't You Be My Neighbor. One of the, I think, blessings of having people who know you well take pictures at Christmas Eve services when you decide to wear a red cardigan, Dave Austin thought I looked a little bit like Mr. Rogers. I don't see it, but I'll take it because, did you know, Mr. Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister? Uh, Most of the time when you go to seminary and you get ordained, you receive a call to a specific local congregation, but not every time. Uh, For example, my friend Dan is a Lutheran pastor out in Oregon, but his call is to be a professor at the seminary that I attended. Mr. Rogers uh, went to seminary, got his degree, but his call was as an evangelist of television. How cool is that? He's the OG televangelist, Mr. Rogers. And I want you to watch as the film talks about his ministry through this television show. Take a look.
2: There was a whole spiritual dimension to his work in the television business, to be inclusive. He did this without ever identifying himself as a minister. He didn't wear a collar, he wore a sweater. And he preached in that context in a way more effective than anyone I've ever seen because it wasn't a sermon like an oratorical thing. It was a communication right into their hearts. Fred's theology was love your neighbor and love yourself. And he saw that communication as the most deeply spiritual thing that he could be doing.
0: When I look at the camera, I think of one person. Not any specific person, but one person. It's very, very personal. The space between the television screen and whoever happens to be receiving it, I consider that very holy ground. A lot happens. A lot happens there.
1: I see a lot of Jesus and I hear a lot of Jesus in that scene. Jesus was a very unexpected spiritual leader. He didn't wear the kind of clothes people expected a spiritual leader to wear. He didn't hang out in the kind of places people expected a spiritual leader to hang out. His friends were not the kind of people they expected a spiritual leader to have. And yet there was something about Jesus as he announces and proclaims the good news of the kingdom of God, as he demonstrates the power of God's love within that kingdom through miracles, people were absolutely drawn to Jesus, attracted to him. And what was he going to say next? What's this guy going to do next? And I want us to read together a verse that describes early on in Jesus' ministry the experience that people had the closer they got to Jesus. This is part of Mark chapter 1, verse 27. It's on the screen, and let's read it out loud together. Amazement gripped the audience. One more time. Amazement gripped the audience. When's the last time you were amazed by Jesus? When's the last time as you are pursuing a life of faith? As you're thinking about and trying to discover who is God really? And what does this mean for my life, my relationships, my job, my future? When's the last time as you were pursuing faith... God showed up, God spoke to you in a way that amazed you. And when I say God spoke to you, I'm not talking about like you hear this voice coming out of the sky. I'm talking about this mysterious reality to our faith that's kind of hard to articulate. I think the Apostle Paul does a pretty good job arriving at this idea in Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Paul writes, God's spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are children of God. The the idea is that more miraculous than walking on water, more miraculous than calming a stormy sea or feeding a group of 1,000 people, 5,000 people with a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish. is this miracle that Jesus came to help us know, help us experience, help us believe deep, deep, deep in our spirits. God loves you. God loves you. And when this reality hits us in just the right way, at just the right time, amazement grips our hearts. I got to tell you, this is why we do everything we do at Hope classes, programs, events, worship services, our prayer is as people participate in the life of this church, this will happen at some point, amazement will grip their hearts. They'll be amazed by God's grace and by God's unfailing love. That's why we do Power Life. Uh, You heard earlier, Pete said 94 eighth grade students here in Ankeny, over 500 students Hope Wide are being confirmed in the faith this year confirmation we call it power life here uh, at hope ankeny maybe when you were growing up the church you attended it was confirmation if you look actually in a lutheran book of worship how do you do confirmation on confirmation sunday or saturday like we had to do uh, last night as well to make room for everybody how, how do you do confirmation you won't find it listed under confirmation instead it's listed under the right of affirmation of baptism The right of affirmation of baptism. God's spirit joins with our spirit to affirm. Some translations actually say to confirm that we are God's children. That's what this middle school student ministry is all about helping kids, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders know they're beloved children of God. And so we invite them to come here to the church on Wednesday nights throughout the school year and they worship together. How great was it to have Zoe and the student uh, team leading us in worship all weekend long. They hear biblical teaching. They get together in small groups. They play fun games. They learn what does it look like to be people who serve the world around us. And at the end of those three years, if they want to, they can choose to be confirmed. They don't have to. It's not a requirement, but if they want to, we ask them, write a faith statement. You're an eighth grader, you're 13, 14, 15 years old, however old you are when you're in eighth grade, and what do you believe, what do you know to be true about who God is? That's a faith statement. So we gathered here on Wednesday night, students and parents and small group leaders, and they shared their faith statements. Here's part of what Paige Beeson wrote. One of the biggest things I learned in my journey with God is that you should always put him first in your life. Praise him for all the good things and pray for all the bad things. She says, if someone were to ask me who God is, I would say God is trustworthy, a listener, protective, forgiving, strong and powerful. God loves us even if we sin. I can always count on God. Now, hopefully, what you noticed at the beginning, she starts by, here's what I've been learning in my journey with God. What have you been learning in your journey with God? I mean, can you honestly say you're on a journey with God? I talked to a lot of people. You would think they learned everything they needed to know about God in kindergarten, or in eighth grade when they got confirmed and God hasn't taught them anything new since. And I'm not talking about people who are outside of the church, people who would say they're not believers. I'm talking about people who come to church on a regular basis, year after year after year, and they're just as selfish, just as arrogant or proud or self-righteous, just as self-centered, just as fear-filled, just as whatever, fill in the blank, today as they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed like God hasn't taught them anything new in decades. There's no growth. There's no maturity. Instead of being on a journey with God, the truth is they're stuck. And this happens to all of us one way or another, different times in our lives. We just get stuck in our faith. One of the reasons we get stuck is when we get confused about the difference between compliance and obedience. Let me talk about that for a little bit. Our Bible reading today, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 says this, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. And the way you interpret this verse, what is this verse actually talking about? It's completely dependent on your understanding of who God is. If, like Paige, you believe God is trustworthy, a listener, God is loving, God loves us, even if we sin, then a verse like this can feel like good news. It's like an invitation that God's giving us into an abundant life, a full life, a life of meaning and purpose. But I talk to a lot of people who have a very different belief about who God is. I talk to people who think God is this commanding, authoritative, judgmental dictator just kind of waiting to punish us when we mess up. And if that's your primary understanding of who God is, this verse doesn't feel like good news. My child, never forget the things I taught you. store my commands in your heart or else, or else there's going to be punishment, or else bad things are going to be coming your way. This is the difference between compliance and obedience. Compliance flows out of fear. Obedience flows out of love. Compliance is, I'm going to follow the commands, but I'm going to do it because I'm scared of what will happen to me if I don't. Obedience is, I trust the person commanding me has my best interests in mind. I trust the person commanding me actually loves me, desires the best for me. And so that's why I will follow the commands. Think about Jesus. Now, Jesus will say things like, no, he doesn't. Jesus does not say things like, if you fear me, obey my commands. He does not say things like, "Uh, this is my command, scare one another. That is supposed to be funny. It's okay if you laugh. (laughs) It would be ridiculous if Jesus said things like that. But for some reason, we have this idea that's actually how God works. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. This is my command, love one another. And what you see from cover to cover in the Bible is this connection between a relationship of love and obedience to the commands of God. God's not after compliance. God's after obedience. And you see it even here in in this proverb, store my commands in your heart. Why the heart? The heart is the center of a relationship of love. And it's so difficult for us to actually trust this is who God is. And so a couple verses later is this passage in Proverbs 3 that maybe you are familiar with. Let's read these verses out loud together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. God, your loving Heavenly Father, will show you which path to take. Follow after Him. It will actually be good for you. Uh, So one of the students who's being confirmed this weekend is Aidan Kelsick. He referenced uh, these verses in his faith statement. Here's his interpretation of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. To me, this means choosing a God-filled life will make your life fulfilling and joyful, even though sometimes it will be rough. This verse is a constant reminder to not only have faith in God, but also spread and show God's amazing love and grace. So the way it kind of works, the way life kind of works is receive this, believe this is who God is, God loves you, God desires the best for you, and then share that with the world around you. And that's kind of the guiding principle in in Mr. Rogers' life and in his ministry and in in his television show. Uh, One of the themes of this movie, Won't You Be My Neighbor? So the way the challenges of Mr. Rogers' childhood sort of motivated him uh, to help meet the challenges or the modulations that children go through in their childhood. So, for example, when he was a boy, Mr. Rogers struggled with his weight, was overweight. He had a nickname, Fat Freddy. And he hated when people called him that, obviously. But primarily because when they called him that, they would also laugh at him. And so in a very real way, from an early age, he's battling compliance. I have to be a certain way or I'm going to be punished. And the punishment was they're laughing at me because of my weight. But it wasn't just children who made him kind of feel this way. Adults would as well. He talks about this feeling he had as a child that adults were always pressuring him to be someone he wasn't able to be yet. And the way he talks about it in the movie is adults would use this phrase with him. Have you ever heard an adult talk like this to a child? Why don't you act like a (laughs) grown-up? What? Because I'm not a grown-up. I'm a child. I should act. like... Why don't you act like... And so the idea was, like, I'd like to try to act like a grown-up, but what happens if I fail? What happens if I don't get it right? Are you going to laugh at me too? And so he had this belief that he was unlovable the way he was. Because the way he was, he was always failing, always making mistakes. And more than making mistakes, he started to have the sense that he actually was a mistake. And so over and over and over, throughout the course of this uh, uh, movie, but also throughout the course of his ministry, he would try to do things to teach something different. As he looked back at his childhood, reflecting as an adult the conclusion he came to, those who try to make you feel less than, and he was often feeling less than, those who would try to make you feel less than who you are, that's the greatest evil. And you may find yourself reading that and be like, oh, come on, of course Mr. Rogers would say that. But evil? I mean, making someone less than, it might be mean, it might be rude, it might be not nice, but should we really call that evil? Well, let's dig into it. Kale Weiner, another one of the eighth graders who is getting confirmed this weekend, wrote, one verse that's always stuck out to me is Romans 12.21. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Cale writes, this verse reminds me that the devil will be knocking on the door, trying to get me to sin. But God's always here for me, telling me to do the right thing. Only do what matters most in life, which is reach out for the caring and loving things. Whatever, whether that is letting a kid sit at your lunch table or helping a kid when he falls down. Just simple things, easy things to do but it's actually a way of overcoming evil by doing good. Overcoming evil by reminding people that they are a person who has value, that they may make mistakes, but that doesn't mean they are a mistake. And again, Mr. Rogers would try to teach this in pretty much every episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Here's one example. Take a look.
3: I've been wondering about something myself. Something about Mr. Skunk? Something about mistakes. What is it? I've been wondering if I was a
4: mistake.
3: If you were a mistake?
4: And I will tell you, sitting in the studio, listening to that that day, I said to myself, I can't believe Fred had the courage to put that into words.
3: Sometimes I wonder if I'm too tame. Sometimes I wonder if I'm a mistake. I'm not like anyone else. I know when I'm asleep or even awake. Sometimes I get to dreaming that I'm just a fake. I'm not like anyone else. I think you are just fine as you are. I really must tell you I do. But Lady Evelyn is saying to Daniel what Fred himself wanted to say, not only to his childhood self, but to all children. You're not a fake. You're no mistake. You are my friend.
4: And then you think, okay, then Daniel's going to say, oh, thank you, that helped me a lot. I
3: wonder if i just mistake. fine as you I'm are. Not like I really must I
4: you. And I thought to myself, thank you, Fred, for reminding us that it's not so easy to quiet a doubt, but make it a duet so that it's not just your fears, but you'll hear my support.
3: Isn't it true that the strong never are break? Sleeping. I'm not when like you are anyone you're else. You're not a no, I'm not blind. Like no mistake. I think you are just fine exactly the way you are.
1: It's not easy to quiet a doubt. And we all have our own version of that, our own private doubts about whether or not we measure up, whether or not we have what it takes, whether or not we're lovable. And so make it a duet, Mr. Rogers says. It's actually a very biblical idea. Yes, throughout life, you're going to have fears, you're going to have doubts, and at the same time, you're going to have other voices trying to tell you a completely different reality. You're loved, you've got what it takes, you're supported. Apostle Paul writes about it in Galatians chapter 5. I want to read these four verses to you. I'll read them pretty slowly. Just listen closely, and then we'll talk about what Paul's really getting at here. Galatians 5, starting in verse 13. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Won't you be my neighbor? If you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And then Paul writes this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. These two forces. Sinful nature, life of the Spirit, constantly fighting each other. It's like throughout our lives we've got this dueling duet going on inside of us. In which voice are we going to pay the most attention to? God wants us to live in freedom. Freedom and compliance, don't go together. Use that freedom to serve one another in love. You actually cannot love your neighbor unless you first know you are loved by God. Yes, you might be able to do loving things, but more often than not, if, if you're not loving out of this knowledge that you are loved, it, your attempt to love is actually a way to try to earn the approval or get something, get a need met for yourself, you're actually using the other person instead of loving the other person. We love because God first loved us with a love that's genuine and authentic and unconditional, no strings attached. And so Mr. Rogers was trying to help children, but really parents would watch just as much, understand this reality that you're loved just the way you are. It's the way he would end every episode with this song, with these powerful, powerful lyrics. Watch this really short clip. Take a look.
4: And then at the end of every program, we came back to Fred's television house to help children understand all of these experiences. He put that into a song. I like you as you are.
0: Exactly and precisely. I think you turned out nicely, and I like you as you are. And children need to hear that. I don't think that anybody can grow unless he really is accepted exactly as he is.
1: Now the critics of Mr. Rogers say this kind of thinking has led to a narcissistic culture where everybody thinks they're something super special even though they haven't done anything special. But that's not what Mr. Rogers is trying to communicate. Did, did you hear what he said? I don't think anyone can grow unless they first know that they are loved. His goal is growth. He, he's not saying, you're fine. You don't, you, you don't need to work on anything. He's not saying that you got it all figured out, that you, you, no more maturing necessary for you. He's saying there's always a next step of growth. But how does growth actually happen? Growth happens when we know we are loved before we figure things out. Growth happens when we know we are loved before we clean up the mess that we've made of our lives. Think about how this plays out in church world. A lot of people show up at churches, and nobody actually says this, But the message that gets communicated, and people pick up on it pretty quick when they're new to a church community, oh, here's how it works here. If I behave the right way, and if I believe the right things, then I can belong here. And we actually think that's completely backwards. No, you belong. It's no accident you're here. We are glad you are here because God loves you. And when you know that, that's what sets you free to grow. Uh, Growth is one of our core values here. Following Jesus is a growing experience. Let's all say that together. Following Jesus is a growing experience. It's not just for children in hope kids. It's not just for students in Power Life or Ignition. Every single person always has a next step of growth. What is it for you? Uh, How do you grow? It starts with understanding that you are loved, and then that sets you free to grow in your love of God, love of yourself, love of your neighbor. It's a constant challenge for us, no matter what age we are, because, as Paul says, the sinful nature and the life of the Spirit are constantly fighting one another. Think of this verse, again, that we looked at earlier in the service, Romans eight sixteen. God's Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm or confirm that we are God's children, right? So, affirmation of baptism is what confirmation is all about. It's what we're remembering today. What's going on in Baptism. A big part of what baptism is is about is letting people know who you really are. This is the truth about who you are. But people get kind of messed up when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, we're like, "Ah, what's that? The Holy Spirit, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to fill our hearts with God's love. And so the Holy Spirit continues to tell us and remind us, This is who God says you are. God thinks you turned out nicely. But there's another voice, the voice of the sinful nature that says, you can't be serious. You're going to buy all of that psychobabble fluff. God doesn't like you. Nobody likes you because you're a failure. You're a mistake. You're a fake. You're a fraud. And that sinful nature is constantly trying to make us feel less than. But think about why Jesus came from heaven to earth, not to condemn us, But to save us, not to make us feel less than, but to remind us how loved we are by God. Paul is writing to the early church world, and it was a world that understood very clearly, because there was a clear social ladder, who are the people who are less than? And Paul says, no, 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 no. Not after Jesus. After Jesus, because of Jesus, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one, but the sinful nature is constantly trying to perpetuate this narrative of less than, and it's evil, and one of the ways this evil works its way into our world, kind of the least way maybe that it does this, is by convincing us that we have to make the focus of our life earning the love and the approval of the people in our life, earning the love and approval of God, and anytime we make life about earning, all of a sudden grace has been thrown out the window. And that's when things can get really evil in a hurry. I, I, I heard a, I don't remember if I was listening to a podcast or if I read it, but someone was talking about this passage in Galatians chapter 5, in the sinful nature, constantly battling uh, the life of the Spirit. And they said another way to think about it would be to say our false self is constantly battling our true self false self constantly battling true self. At the end of every baptism here at Hope, we have this thing where we welcome whoever was just baptized into the Lord's family, and one of the things we all say together is we are all children of the same heavenly Father. It's who we are. It's our identity, it's our true self. Think think about what's going on in baptism. There's all kinds of things, but when Jesus is baptized, Does he get baptized as a repentance for his sins? Does he get baptized to wash away the guilt of his sin-filled life? No. He's sin-free. Doesn't have any guilt. But what happens in Jesus' baptism? The Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form, and a voice from heaven says, This is my dearly loved Son with whom I am well pleased. God's Spirit confirming with Jesus' Spirit that he is the Son of God. Next thing that happens in Jesus' life, he's drawn out into the wilderness where he is tempted. What's the temptation? If you are the son of God, take these rocks and turn them into bread. If you're the son of God, jump off the temple and the angels will catch you. God has just told him he's the son of God. Now the devil is in his ear saying, no, you're not. Devil's in his ear trying to create all kinds of doubts about who Jesus is, causing him to maybe pursue a false self instead of living a life true to who he actually is. And people, that is the temptation for you and for me our entire life. Am I going to allow someone other than God to tell me who I am? And am I going to do whatever it takes to kind of prove to them I'm who they want me to be? Or will I trust the wisdom of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Allow God to show you the path for you to take, the path for you to take because it's who you are. It's your true self. One more clip from Mr. Rogers. Here's the way that he helps people remember to let God guide them into the best life for them. Take a look.
0: From the time you were very little, you've had people who have smiled you into smiling, people who have talked you into talking, sung you into singing, loved you
2: into loving. When he was giving speeches, he would say, now, think about somebody who's helped you along the way. For one minute, I'm going to time you. Let's
0: just take some time to think of those extra special people. Mm. Some of them may be right here. Some may be far away, some may even be in heaven. No matter where they are, deep down, you know they've always wanted what was best for you. They've always cared about you beyond measure and have encouraged you to be true to the best within you. how I got to this point, because it was
2: my grandfather's doing.
3: There was this woman named Viva who used to take care of me when I was little. She was our babysitter.
2: I thought about Fred.
1: God loves you as you are, exactly and precisely. No, 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 no. that can't be true. That can't be true. Did you see how I just treated that person? You should have seen me last night. You should have heard me earlier this morning. I am a mess. I am a failure. I am a fake. I am a fraud. There's no way God could possibly love me. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus tells us something completely different at just the right time before you cleaned up your life, at just the right time while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you out of love. And we remember that when we come to the Lord's table. We remember it was the night he was betrayed. Jesus took some bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Eat this and remember me when you eat it. Later in the meal, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sins drink this and remember me when you drink it let's stand and let's pray together the prayer jesus taught his followers to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses